And now I, I live across from of this mini market. I know all the workers there. I There's two restaurants down the street. If, I, if, if they see me with my umbrella coming out of the, my beach umbrella coming out of the house, they're like, oh, what beach are you going to? Oh, don't go to that beach, go to this beach. And giving tips, that is so nice. And that helps a lot. And there's, there's quite a, there was a study done after the pandemic about micro interactions and how important they are to our mental health. So just when you go out and you, you know, if you take the bus and you take the bus at the same time every day, and there's another person that also takes the bus at the same time every day, and you recognize each other, but you, maybe you never speak. But just the micro interaction of seeing that person that you recognize at the bus stop is very calming or there's a comfort to that there's like and it's and it really feeds into our mental health because we're like oh okay good you know they're still here <laughs> or whatever it is not you know they still live here or they still do this routine or whatever but i think that's something that that portugal offers a lot because of the friendliness of the people and, and they're willing to talk and and interact and smile at you and say hi as, as you walk by hola e bem-vindo Welcome to The Simple Life, an insider's perspective into Portugal. We already know about Portugal's amazing weather, food and people. In this podcast we go deeper and meet the real people who make this country so wonderful. Dylan, who has made his life in Portugal, shares an insider's perspective into what makes Portugal the unique, beautiful and amazing country that it is. Join him and his guests every week as they shed some light on the incredible people, culture, history and lifestyle that makes Portugal so appealing. A country where everyone feels like they belong. This podcast is sponsored by Portugal Realty. Welcome to The Simple Life. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Nina Patrick. Nina is a scientist and an entrepreneur Specializing in healthcare, startups, longevity, psychedelics, and digital therapeutics. Nina is originally from the US, and after living and spending a lot of time in Germany, decided to move somewhere warmer, and has been living in Portugal ever since. We discuss, amongst other things, why she chose to move to Portugal, some of the differences between Portugal and Germany, not just in the weather, but the people, the culture, and the pace of life. Nina talks about her work and some of the amazing advancements that Portugal is making in healthcare, the fight against chronic diseases, oncology, and neuroscience. And Nina talks about what is a blue zone and how Portugal could be the next one and why Portugal just may be the perfect place to grow old. For those of you listening, head over to our YouTube channel to watch some of this episode and now over to my conversation with Nina. Welcome back or welcome to another episode of Portugal The Simple Life and I'm delighted to be joined here by Nina Patrick. Nina, um, it's the second podcast for you today. So uh, this one's going to be a little bit more less psychedelic. <laughs> but thank you for being on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Good. Um, we're going to talk about like chilled out things, nothing too medical Uh, so you got, you know, you got the, you got the next hour off, you know, but uh, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about you? Yeah, no problem. So I am a scientist turned entrepreneur, innovator and writer. 
Uh, I think it's best just to sort of tell the story of how I got here. I have a PhD in pharmaceutical science and okay. I studied epigenetics and did a small project also with psychedelics. So both of those things now I write about in my weekly newsletter, Nina's Notes. And epigenetics is now very much tied with aging. So that's the link with longevity. I worked briefly in San Francisco in biotech startups um, and then started my own business an at-home diagnostics company in Berlin uh, in 2019. So I ran that company for four years before moving to Portugal. And now I lead innovation at a research institute here called the Champalamo Center for the Unknown. And I help scientists think more commercially about their research and commercialize that research into products. Uh, our two research focuses are oncology and neuroscience. So we okay. have a particular interest in digital therapeutics and how that can manage, treat, and prevent chronic diseases and help us live long, healthy lives. Wow. Okay. You're a busy woman. I am. <laughs> um, how, why Portugal? How did that all start for you? Um, tell us about your first visits to, to the country. So I was living in Berlin the last okay. four years and I'm originally from the West coast of the United States. So California, I was born in San Francisco. I grew up in Las Vegas and I'm used to sun, uh, you know, 360 days out of the year. And Berlin was a really tough place for me weather wise. Um, I was there also during the pandemic and it was just cold and gray and the people are cold and gray and it's just, it's a tough place in the wintertime. And so last year I said, no, more. it's like life is too short to winter in Berlin. And I came to Portugal and lived here from January to April. So for four months to escape the winter. Okay. And I loved it so much that I then just started making a bunch of changes in Berlin that would allow me to move here permanently. And so I moved here permanently in January of this year. So just about a year. Amazing. That was your first ever visit to Portugal was last it year, was. January. Yeah, I just came Good to Portugal you. with the intention to stay for four months. I had never been here before. I had heard good things. And I just trusted that my friends were giving me a good recommendation. So what did you know? What did you, wait, let me rephrase. What did you think you knew about Portugal coming in uh, a year ago? What were you expecting? I was expecting sunshine. (laughs) And I think a bit of a tech scene. Okay. So some, some work to do. Good food beaches and it was really I think quite quite basic to be honest I I was expecting good good people good food uh and good weather and not not any snow okay yeah no no snow um how did the I mean have your expectations been met absolutely I am so much happier here than I, than I was in Berlin um, okay. for a variety of reasons. But I think the weather is a huge factor, you know, being able to go outside, spend time in nature, not be kind of confined to the indoors for literally half the year um, is really very good for your mental health. Yes, uh, it's huge. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate. I come from 
a warm country originally, which is South Africa. Um, a lot of time outdoors. So, so switching to Portugal is just I can be outdoors without fear of being robbed or or mugged mm. or anything. You know, so it's 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 nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, you've come over in twenty twenty two on kind of like a mini stay um what what during this time and and what are the things that have made you think okay i actually want to live here for longer i would like to spend more time here i think it was really besides the the weather we we know this yeah i know the weather i mean the weather was a huge factor for me um i felt that it was easier to live here um than it was in germany and i think that's because the portuguese have very good english um just very simple interactions that are actually quite challenging to do in germany like going to the pharmacy going to the post office like you have to do this in german um or you struggle through it like i could do very easily here and those things add up over time so when you have four years of people being frustrated with your, your inadequate german versus kind of arriving here and being like oh i could get through that post office interaction it was fine um it makes you feel like just a, a bit more welcome a bit more happy that you're there that they're they're happy that you're here um so i think that was a huge thing i was like oh this is much it's much easier to live here even though a lot of people complain about the portuguese bureaucracy and things that are slow i honestly find that it's i think it's quite simple like yes things maybe are, are take more time but i don't think it's I don't think it's so much of a frustration, Um, but I guess I was kind of weaned on it slowly. Like the U S has a very efficient system in some things, very digitalized. And then Germany is, I think they, to the external world, people think Germany is very efficient, but then when you're in Berlin and you're trying to do bureaucracy, it is not efficient at all. And then I think, so I sort of had that expectation. I was like, okay, things move slower anyway. And then I knew Portugal would be slower than that. So it doesn't really surprise me. Okay. Yeah, amazing. Um this is a, a, a one of the things that I've I've always appreciated in Portugal. I'm a, I'm a realtor, so I, I work with people from all over the world. And uh I have a lot of people that are are clients that are looking to move to Portugal or come here and and they do compare Portugal to a couple of the other European countries, you know, France gets compared Spain. And one of the big things that always comes up is the language. Um and this is a massive thing, and, and maybe you can speak a bit more to that. In a lot of countries, you have to be able to speak that language. Uh, and then you've got the added pressure of the reaction of a local person who either gets annoyed with you because you don't speak their language well or gets annoyed with you because you don't speak their language, um, which was a bit of your experience in Germany. Here, yeah, I mean, people just don't really care. Um, and that's a, it's a big thing when, you, when you're wanting to – kind of integrate and get by and just live daily life absolutely yeah the language factor is huge because the portuguese speak great great english they're very willing to speak english with you even if you run into somebody that doesn't speak english they are willing to work with you to get through the situation and solve the problem which is not the case in other places they will you know, it's do you, in a lot of interactions in Germany, it would be like, do you speak English? No, 
And that is the end of the interaction. So I was like, cool, guess I'm not getting cable internet ever. Um, so that is a huge, huge factor. Um, even I think signing up for Vodafone, like they have the, the menu when you call in in two languages. This is something that's very common in the United States. We have, you know, press, we always have like press nine for Spanish basically. So that is not available in Germany. There is no press two for English. And that is, so you're kind of sitting there with your phone on speakerphone, trying to get it picked up by Google Translate and you're trying to get through these interactions and it's really, really challenging. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a big factor on ease. And the people are super friendly as well. Yeah. And so I mean, why do you, interactions. what's your take on, on why the people are like this? Um, what do you think? Cause it is, it is something quite unique. It is something that you don't see in every country. Um, why do you think the Portuguese are this way You're, in your, in your opinion? So I've been told that the Portuguese have very good English because the movies are not dubbed in Portuguese. And so they had to list, watch all the movies in the original language they were created in. Most of the time they're from Hollywood, so they're in English. And in Germany, France, Spain, these movies are dubbed in the in the language. So you can just watch it in, in your native language. So this forced them to to learn um, to learn English. And that's, I would say, a huge influence that uh, because it's sort of it could be a little bit more passive or you have more material to use if you're trying to learn English in school. Um, you could just, you know, go home and your homework is watch a watch an English movie. Yeah. Um, that's that's pretty nice. Um, I, I, I think also there's um, there is a there, it, there is a personality aspect to it as well. You know, they do have, you know, the I mean, my kids um, are fluent in both English and Portuguese at home. Uh, they start learning English at age six. You're right about the 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 movies. They're not dubbed. Mm -hmm. um, all of these kind of things. That helps. But I think there's also an attitude um, that the Portuguese have with not... They, they don't have that chip on their shoulder with language. They're happy. They want to make you feel welcome. So they will try to... I, I speak fluent Portuguese, but I don't look Portuguese. I'll walk into a restaurant. They straight away start speaking to me in English until I switch over. And then it's it's different. Um, so definitely there's an, I think an attitude side of things. Do you, do you, did you feel that as well? Starting, starting out here in Portugal, that yeah, kind absolutely. of welcoming yeah. way. Yeah. Warmness, just kindness. Um, I think they try Portuguese, see that you don't speak Portuguese and, and they, and they switch. Um, and yeah, it's much friendlier than I've had some just worse interactions and in, in Germany where I've had quite a bit of like, well, you're in Germany, we speak German. Um, types of situations and that's really it really hurts you know because you're like I'm trying but my German's just terrible um, and it's yeah it's just not well received and I think I see it a little bit from their point of view too that they don't it's also embarrassing to have bad English so they don't want to show that they maybe don't speak well in English and they don't want to be embarrassed and you are in their country and so I can see both points but the Portuguese are very friendly about this and I haven't had a single interaction like that. Awesome. Have you have you um, traveled around a little bit? Have you explored a little bit more of the country besides Lisbon? I have. Uh, I did more exploration last year. Now I'm trying to kind of settle in and establish my friendships and get kind of cozy in in my in my flat here. But I've been to the Algarve. I've also been to the Douro Valley. Uh, I've spent some time in Alentejo in the east, 
And really the country just has so much to offer. It's so beautiful there and everything's so accessible as well. You know, you can be in the Algarve in two and a half hours and the drive is, is nice. The roads are great and it's, it's not difficult. And there's nobody on the roads. I remember I drove from Berlin to, to Lisbon. And when I got to Alentejo in the East and I was driving for like an hour, I didn't see a single car. And I was, I think as an American, the the roads are quite full always. So I'm like, are we going to be okay? <laughs> no one's out here. Yeah. It's, uh, we don't have traffic. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. in Lisbon, in, it's oh, getting, Lisbon, yeah, it's no, getting a little it's, crazy. Uh, it, it, I can imagine. I'm, I'm further outside of, of um, Lisbon. I'm, I'm north. I'm on the Silver Coast. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Nazare where they have the, mm -hmm. the giant waves. So I'm out that way and we just, yeah, we don't have traffic at all. It's, it's, it's special. It's quite nice. That's nice. Yes. I have been to Nazare. I went to the surf contest last year, which okay. was very cool. Yeah. How about those waves? I mean, it's, it's insane. It's insane. It's a really a magical experience to be on the cliff and hear this kind of thundering wave hitting the cliff and creating all this mist and it's i don't know because the weather obviously was bad the, the days prior to create those waves so you still sort of have an overcast and this misty feeling and you see these little guys out there on these giant waves and you're like oh my god it's huge yeah yeah it's special everyone needs to go um experience that because that is really really special yeah yeah um nina i mean uh with your work and everything um like how um what are you seeing here with the work that you're doing with chronic diseases oncology um and how this the work is kind of moving into this more technological these more technological advancements i think people are going to be or are getting and will be quite surprised to see how forward portugal how fast portugal is moving forward on certain issues with healthcare um, especially in tech and, and that kind of thing. Uh, maybe just talk a little bit about that and what you, your experiences have been. Yeah. So the center that I work for, the, the Champalamo Center for the Unknown, let's just let that sink in. That's like the coolest name for a research institute of all time. Is this gem? Honestly, I, I didn't know it existed when I moved here. And it's this incredibly like futuristic research center right on the on the river it's between Belém and Algiers and it's modern and just has these incredible views and it's one of the world leading neuroscience programs in in the world and it's just here in Lisbon and I think it's quite well known among the Portuguese but internationally I think it is known within the neuroscience community but otherwise I think it is it, it's just not known and we have so we have neuroscience and we also have oncology and we treat, we also have a cancer clinic as part of the research institute. So we do research and treat patients in pancreatic cancer, uh, colorectal cancer, prostate and breast cancer. And we're one of the leading pancreatic cancer centers in the world as well. So it's quite unbelievable. And our, our clinic is open to patients internationally. It's, it's a private clinic, so you can come and get treatment there. And it has one of the most incredible patient experiences for people that are going through cancer. The, the board has a mission to really 
look at patient care and, and make this a priority. And so you can have your chemotherapy sitting in a garden, looking at the Atlantic Ocean. Like you don't, you don't get that in, in most places. So, and I think that would probably help your treatment and recovery. Um, so, and now we have a new cancer center that will open any day now. Um, it was just built. And the designer for the Emirates airline, first class cabins, designed the treatment pods for chemotherapy in the new center. So they really care about this like patient comfort, patient care. And this care. is also in Lisbon? Yes. This is every all of this is the same center. It's all it's actually okay, we on have the river. Two, yeah. It's on the river. We have two buildings now. The first the first one now houses everything, but now we're about to open the second building. And we're about to renovate a third building, which is even more waterfront, if you can believe it's possible. It's the old dock, uh the old Dokapeshka that the fishermen used to come and sell their fish from. Some fishermen are still occupying the space and we have a relocation plan for them. And we will be renovating that into a digital therapeutics institute. So developing non-invasive therapeutics that have clinical evidence to manage, treat, and prevent chronic diseases. So this is very futuristic. So these are interventions that could be immersive rooms that have artwork all around you, um, immersive gaming, where you're maybe playing a game as part of your rehabilitation process, where you've been moving your arms as part of the game, doing things with AR and VR and motion capture and robotics. So we have some really impressive technological interventions that uh, that we'll be bringing to the to the world and also in that new center we will also be treating patients so we will also have a, a portion of the clinic um, for these types of chronic diseases amazing i mean this is so exciting uh, um we've i've had a couple of people on the on the podcast uh, a couple of guests um uh, we've had a guy called Miguel stanley who's a a, a very well-known dentist um and he's doing a lot of cutting edge stuff in terms of dental technology. I've had um, another guy that's doing, he, he has a, 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 a platform, an, an online platform called Humu, which helps people with mental health. And we're seeing this wave of things happening in Portugal with tech, but with a purpose. Um, I mean, what is behind all of this? What is your, what is your experience and, and your insight been into you know, there's obviously the tech side of things and the business side of things, but there's a human side to all of this and and a social impact that this is and, and, and a social responsibility behind a lot of these things that are happening. What are you seeing here, Nina, with all of these developments and, and exciting this exciting tech? Yeah, so Portugal is unique in that, I mean, it's a small country with a small population and a lot of tech, I think tend to overlook Portugal because they're like, oh, too small of a market. But I think that that there's really an advantage here when you have a smaller population that you can test different types of technologies easier and that you have more of a willingness to experiment in certain ways. Um, and it can also be maybe even like a gateway into Europe as like testing uh, a new technology in this small Portuguese population. We also have a national health system here. So that is something that's a bit more centralized for types of like health tech interventions. Um, so I feel like it's a very unique place to be, to develop. And also we have 
quite a lot of very techie people coming from all over the world for the Portuguese life. And they want to do something. They want to be here and they want to build something and they want to use their skills and they want to create an ecosystem for that type of tech development. So I think there is a maybe not, I think maybe not in the the old Portuguese culture necessarily, but I think in this kind of new wave of migration that we're seeing a lot of really entrepreneurial people and that entrepreneurship is a bit contagious. And then the Portuguese are curious about this and want to get involved as well. And then there can be a collaboration between the between the two groups. Yeah. And and, and are you seeing, I mean, um, what I've been told and, and, and what I've seen in my own experience is there is a, a, an openness to work together uh, generally in, in the DNA of the Portuguese. There's generally a open-mindedness which a lot of people don't expect because you think okay small little catholic country old-fashioned maybe uh, are they going to be open to these kind of ideas and and my experience has been very much so open-minded creative really willing to work together curious uh what has your experience been working with with these guys on the portuguese side i would say absolutely the same um a lot of willingness to to try new things to recognize that they're I think that their country lacks a little bit in that type of innovation so they say oh okay you you come from a country that's quite innovative and how was that growing up what did that look like can I learn from you and they're very willing to work together and, and experiment and try things and see the benefits of what that sort of collaboration or just learning from each other can bring yeah. I mean, uh, you mentioned as well the NH, um, the NHS, so we, uh, the, the National Health Service here in Portugal. Um, the Portu You speak to Portuguese people and they will say it can be better and improvements can be made. But um, when I look at this, and, and I've had my own oncology issues, I've got TTP, which is a blood clotting uh, problem. I have to do platelet transfusion and these kind of things. Um, so I've had my experience with the national health. This was all done on public health. Um, and what I've seen from the public health system is it is incredibly robust, uh, really, really well run um, in comparison to a lot of other places. I mean, you coming from the US, what you've seen in Germany, what, what would you say for people that want to know a bit more about the public system? So... This is still something I'm I'm exploring. So I don't have too okay. many interactions, fortunately, I would say, because obviously that means I'm staying healthy uh, with the public with the public health system. However, when I did sign up to get my like my NHS number, the NSA, SNS number. Yes, yeah. the SNS. It's like I could do it over email. Yeah. And I just sent him an email. Here's my, here's the data that you need from me. And then it took some time, took, I think 10 weeks, but the, then I got the paper. I, if I was in Germany, I would have had to go somewhere and I would have had to submit something that they needed to stamp and staple and sign. And, and then it probably still would have taken 10 weeks. Um, maybe a little bit less. So I was actually quite impressed because I think I had also, I'd heard such horrible stories about how terrible these things were going to be. Um, and I, so I thought that was all right, but now I haven't needed to go to, uh, to any public hospital or anything yet. So I can't speak about the quality of care, but I feel like it still is, I, I, I haven't heard 
very many complaints. I, I think I read a news article about a, I think there was an article about why Americans are leaving Portugal. And the example they used was this woman that has a very specific, I think, retinal disease, and she couldn't get the specialist care here. And that, I think, okay, that makes sense. We don't have the the type of, like, maybe the vast range of specialization here that you would expect in a country like the U.S. that needs to serve, you know, 300 million people. Um, but I don't think that it, we're lacking in terms of care. And we have yeah. private hospitals as well that are still affordable. Like, even if you are paying beyond the private, the public health system and you are taking private health insurance and you can then access these places, it's not going to break the bank the way that it would be in, in the U.S. in the yeah. NS system. Yeah. True. Um, we we actually found each other because of uh, uh, an article you published on Nina's notes, um, and you spoke about Portugal as a blue zone. Is a blue zone? Yeah. Yes, a blue zone. What is a blue zone? First of all, uh, just tell us what that is. So for people that don't know. Yes, for people who don't know, blue zones are. And I didn't know what it was, so no. I'm not trying to sound smart. I didn't know what it was until ah. I read the article. So okay. now I'm. I'm so I learned what a blue zone was because of your article, by the way. Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad that I, I taught you something. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So, so blue zones are regions of the world that have the highest concentration of centenarians. And these are people that live to be 100 years old or older. And there are currently five blue zones in the world. And that's Okinawa, Japan, Sardinia, Italy, um, Icaria, Greece, and Nicoya, Costa Rica. And then, weirdly enough, Loma Linda, California in the United States. Wow. Yeah. That's and it really, it really is. <laughs> um, there are other areas in the world that have high concentrations of people that are 100 years old, but these are really the really the five that have been vastly studied. And there's a there's an organization like the Blue Zone organization that goes out and researches these different areas and tries to figure out why are people living to be over 100 in the in this zone? What are the common themes between these? Because a lot of these places are all over the world. You know, you have Japan and then you have Italy. Yeah. Um, these are different, totally different places. Um, so what could be the common theme uh, between them? Okay. Um, so you spoke about how Portugal could potentially be a blue zone. Um, you used a charming story about, you know, how you see the old people living here and, uh, you know, they carry their bags. They don't, uh, they, they active, they, they do their, their, their routines and stuff. Just tell us a little bit about like what you saw and what you think about, um, about Portugal being essentially a, 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 a blue zone in the future. Yeah. So upon moving here, I definitely, I mean, I just took note that I see a lot of elderly people. They're out and about, they're walking They're Like you mentioned, they're carrying their groceries. I see them getting out of the house, which actually, even this morning, I was like, you know, that's so good that even if they're just leaving the house every day, you know, I, I know I could get so consumed in my work. I don't leave the house. So seeing them out and about every day, like that's very important for socialization. And the movement, there's hills, there's kind of natural activity that you have to do in order to run those errands. That's very important, not getting in a car. Um, so there's a lot of kind of just basic lifestyle habits that are just ingrained in living. I also think in a, in a city where you do have to walk around where you don't have a car. 
Um, and there's also a lot of access to very healthy foods. We have, you know, obviously we have a lot of coastline. We have a lot of fresh fish. And there's a socialization. The Portuguese like to get together and have dinner together, host things at home, have you over to their place um, for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And I think all of those are really core to, um, to a, a long and healthy life. And then I recently also read that in the last 10 years, the population of 100-year-olds in Portugal grew by 77%. 77? At 77% in the last 10 years, the population of 100-year-olds grew. That's pretty impressive. I mean, it's still a small group of people. Do not get me wrong. It's it's um, three thousand. about 3,000 people are over the age but of 100 capita, in Portugal. It's, it's impressive. It is. Yeah. I think it really, it really is. Because Nicoya in Costa Rica is declared a blue zone. They also have a small population, but they only have like 800 people that are over 100. And their total population is 5 million. And we have 10 million people here and 3,100 year olds. So... Maybe um, maybe there's something there. Obviously, in, in that Costa Rican city, they're all concentrated there, which makes it very a mysterious uh, reason why these people are living so long. But that got me thinking about that, you know, Portugal has a lot of these characteristics of some of these places. Like a lot of them have a lot of coastline, you know, Japan, a lot of coastline, Italy, Greece, Costa Rica. And... Do we have a, a kind of a lot of those elements that that make a blue zone? Um, and the if there is a documentary on Netflix, I recommend you if you haven't watched it yet. I think you should. Um, called like live, I think it's called like Living to a Hundred, and it's the the secrets of the blue zones. And they go through each of those five cities and interview the the centenarians and try and understand what it is that they do in their daily lives that's keeping them so healthy. And then they boiled it down to kind of these four basic principles with 12 elements uh, total. And th so now we kind of have to look at Portugal like through that lens, like, oh, do we do we check all of these boxes? Can, can we do it? And I think so. I think I think there's something there. It's interesting. It's interesting. Um you know, we, we we're talking about the the healthcare as well. And and there is a there is a, a way, I mean, uh, there's something in the Portuguese culture and, and, and a lot of it's got to do with, you know, Portugal's history and everything of we leave nobody behind, everybody gets taken care of. Um, and the way that they look after the old people in this country is also mm -hmm. something quite phenomenal. Um, you know, you talk about people getting out of the house and stuff. If they're not able to do that, the state will send somebody to fetch them. Uh, in most of your municipalities and things, and uh, uh, the the the, the Bombados, so the fire department will have a, an ambulance for non for the non sick, and they will pick them up. They'll take them to doctors' appointments. They'll take them for medical uh, tests. They'll take them shopping. Some of the local municipalities take people to go do their their weekly shopping. Um, these are all things that add to this as well along with living in a place that's not too stressful, peaceful, mm -hmm. calm. I mean, this mm -hmm. is all significant for, for, for longevity. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't know that, that they, that they have a good social support system for the, for the elderly like that, to be able to like run, run errands. That's really impressive. That's a reason to move here. Yeah, there you go. Well, you, we're not that far. We don't have to think that far ahead just yet, <laughs> but I mean, you know, speaking of, of growing old, um, you know, 
it is a great place to grow old. I mean, from a from a medical point of view, I mean, we've we've touched on a couple of things. Um, so you're talking about all these advancements in in you know medical treatments and for chronic diseases, for oncology, uh, neuroscience, and then tailored to these other you know the the seeds of the of the blue zones. Um, what would you say to people about growing old in Portugal? It's a good idea or not? And why? I, th I think, yeah, I think it has, I think it's something to really consider. Um, because I think, think if you think mostly about the, the alternative, I imagine myself, okay, if I was in the United States and I'm growing old, I'm most likely in a suburb where I need to drive. Maybe I'm losing my vision. So my driver's license is at risk. I can't get around my you know the children are out of the house there's not a lot of people around the neighborhood is quieted down because everyone's getting a bit older like that that just does not sound that exciting to me and on the alternative you know maybe you're living here and you're I, I gave Kashkaish as the example which maybe we have better examples in in Portugal and so I'm curious maybe where you live is is a potential blue city um, but, you know, maybe you're living in the city in Kashkaish and you're able to walk to the waterfront and and walk down the steps, put your toes in the water, very grounding, earth, earthy experience. You can walk, get your groceries. You don't need to go very far out of town to run any errands. You're, you're friends with the people that own the shops on your street. Um, I'm friends with the, like, <clears throat> the people on my street that are business owners. We all know each other. I was living here for just a few months when the we all started recognizing each other and saying hi. This was not my experience in Germany. I lived above an eyeglass shop for two and a half years who picked up all of my Amazon packages and pretended not to know me every time I came in for two and a half years. So that's not an enjoyable experience, um, reminding them who you are. And, you know, I live above your store. <laughs> you get my packages <laughs> and now i i live across from uh, this mini market i know all, all the workers there i there's two restaurants down the street if i if, if they see me with my umbrella coming out of the my beach umbrella coming out of the house they're like oh what beach are you going to oh don't go to that beach go to this beach and giving tips that is so nice and that helps a lot and there's there's quite a there was a study done after the pandemic about micro interactions and how important they are to our mental health. So just when you go out and you, you know, if you take the bus and you take the bus at the same time every day, and there's another person that also takes the bus at the same time every day, and you recognize each other, but you maybe you never speak. But just the micro interaction of seeing that person that you recognize at the bus stop is very calming. There's a comfort to that. There's like, and it's and it really feeds into our mental health because we're like, oh, okay, good. You know, they're still here, <laughs> or whatever it is. Not you know, they still live here. They still do this routine or whatever. And and that, you know, the absence of that during the pandemic, I think we all felt that we all kind yeah. of understood. Maybe putting a word with it makes sense. But I think that's something that that Portugal offers a lot because of the friendliness of the people and, and they're willing to talk, and and interact and smile at you and say hi as, as you walk by. Uh, I love that term micro interaction. I've, I've never 
heard it before, thought about it, and it makes so much sense in this context. Uh, you have these micro interactions in Portugal all the time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, where we are, it's the same. I mean, it's, it's um, people know who you are. Um, you, it's, you know, that kind of the old school cheers where everybody cheers, where everybody knows your name. It's, it is that here. And then it's those yeah. little interactions for me. It's, um, you know, we go to the farmer's market every Saturday morning. My wife goes to this, she knows which guys to go to. Mm -hmm. So she's say, I'm going to Ricardo's stand. I'm like, which one, which one's Ricardo? Like, but they, there's all these little things and, and, how important is that today in today's day and age, not just for, for disease sufferers, but for mental health, for being, keeping connected. We've never been more connected, but more separated because of digital technology. Mm -hmm. And here you still have this old world, many interactions of people just saying, hello, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? Um, are you going to have the same, is it the normal breakfast or mm -hmm. the normal coffee? Uh, these things are are beautiful and so important. Absolutely. Yeah, especially when somebody recognizes that you haven't been around for a couple weeks, you know, they're like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you. Did you go, you know, did you go on a holiday? And then, and then they, and you're like, oh, yeah, I did. Then you want to talk about your your holiday. And it's, it's so nice. And yeah, you mentioned being, you know, very disconnected because of, because of a lot of interactions we have online now. Even this, we're doing, you know, we're doing this yeah. online. So there's benefits, but it's also, uh, you know, it's also, it, it takes people away as well. And I think in, I guess, going back with healthcare, is there, we keep trying to push a lot of digital intervention saying, oh, you know, just, just do telehealth, just do this on, like, do everything very mobile, which has a lot of advantages because then you can bring healthcare into, you know, areas that are underserved. But I think there's also a bit of medicine that still needs to be analog yeah. and it needs to be offline and it needs to be in person yeah. and incentivizing that like, oh, you know, if you're going to come into your doctor's office for for your, your checkup, maybe there's a bit of a community aspect to that. Yeah. Maybe you'll see some people, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I have a regular um, tele, what do they call it? Teleconsults with my, mm -hmm. with my oncologist. But, um, which is fine for me, it's convenient. It saves me having mm -hmm. to get in a car and drive to Lisbon. Um, I still have to go do my blood tests and everything, but it's convenient. But I do sometimes think if I was an old person on my own, I would probably want to go and yeah. see that person and have mm -hmm. that interaction. And I think that's something that I love about Portugal is you can still have those interactions. They happen on a daily basis. People have the time to mm -hmm. stop and ask you about your umbrella, to stop mm -hmm. and ask you how you're doing. For me, uh, uh, one of the things, every Sunday I go wash my car, I usually take my five-year-old son with me. If he's not with me, the owner of the car mm -hmm. wash place says, where's where's your little helper? And we have a little yeah. chat. No, he's at a birthday party today or he's not feeling very well. Oh, yeah, you know, it's the pollen in the air or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And these little interactions with people on a daily basis are so special and I, th I do see more and more in the people that I speak to, it's lost in other places in the world. Um, mm -hmm. When you talk about mm -hmm. Berlin, I've had a mm -hmm. previous guest who's from Berlin and she's like, it's, it's, you don't have those little interactions. You ignore each other. And mm -hmm. here it's the opposite, mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think there's a lot, a lot of that here. That's really magical. 
Um, expect, I mean, totally different than Berlin. I, I think we do in America, we do a lot of small talk, you know, you'll be checking out your groceries and you'll chit chat in Germany, the not at all that is not there. And here, there's, there's a bit of chatting, you know, at, at the grocery checkout. And, and also in Germany, they, they check your groceries so fast. It's almost impossible to bag it simultaneously. There's been articles written about how stressful this experience is to people, to foreigners, because they literally just like rocket launch your groceries down, down the scanner. And here in Portugal, it's like, everyone's taking their time. No one is in a rush. You can take as long as you want to bag your groceries, even if there's a queue of 20 people behind you. No, like no one's going to get mad at you because you're bagging too slowly. But in Germany, you feel like you get a little bit. It's quite aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Aggressive bag checking. Uh, yeah. uh, that's something I want to look you'll into. Have, you'll have to Google it. I swear. There, I think there was a Guardian article written about a woman that like cried after the grocery store experience <laughs> in Germany. It's really intense. Yeah, you see, and here you'll hear like on, on like Facebook groups, people complaining about how long they had to wait at the till because <laughs> every single person has a conversation with the with the yeah. with the teller about uh, yeah. their kid, about their back pain, about their their football mm -hmm. club, about what they ate for lunch, you know. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So it's I mean, it's two completely different experiences. I remember how much I appreciated it when I I was ready, like the first time I was at the Portuguese checkout to to grab my groceries as quickly as possible, and then I was like, oh, we're We're taking our time. This is such a civil information. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Uh, yeah, that's actually quite a good um, dissector into, into Portuguese culture is just go shopping. You just go yeah. shopping, check out what people do. That'll give you a really good insight into, into Portuguese culture. Um, Nina, uh, how can, um, how can, no, uh, what's, what's one thing that you want people to remember? and take away from our conversation? Just one thing. The, I think the micro interactions, the amount of those micro interactions that you can have here and that people will take the time out of their day to tell you, tell you all the great things about Portugal. Um, I think that's what people need to remember. Yeah, yeah, I like that. How can people follow you online? Uh, keep up to date with what you're doing, see what you're writing uh, and, and keep up to date with your work. Yeah, you can follow me from my personal website, which is my full name, ninapatrick.xyz. Okay, awesome. And and you're also on LinkedIn as well. I am on LinkedIn found as each well. Other. Yes, so same thing. You can find me with, I think it's just linkedin.com slash ninapatrick. Awesome. Uh, that might not be the per per perfect one if you add it to the show notes. Um, and then, yes, please subscribe to my newsletter, Nina's Notes. It's available on LinkedIn and also um, on Substack, so you can get there from my website or LinkedIn. Awesome. We'll put it in the in the show notes, and then people can can follow you and get in touch if they'd like to to chat more. Um, Nina, question we ask um, all of our guests: Portugal, the simple life. Why? Portugal gives you a simple life because no one's in a rush ever, and that is really a relief. I think when you've been in a place, a big city that is go 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 you know everyone has their main job their side job and their passion project and and here people are just they're living and they and they're taking the time to do that so it helps to force you to slow down awesome thank you so much i've enjoyed this conversation thank you for being on Same. the podcast thank you so much for having me and i'm gonna let you call it that's a wrap 
So thank you once again to our guests and thank you to all of you for listening. Please subscribe, share with your friends, give us a thumbs up and please leave a comment or a review. We always love to hear from you. Don't forget, Portugal The Simple Life also has a magazine, so download it. It's for free. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And as we say in Portugal, Cesar's bem-vindo. Welcome to The Simple Life. <laughs>